Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us online and for all that are in person on all of our campuses. Sugarland has a baseball team. And that baseball team uh, is uh, the AAA team of the Houston Astros. And last night was Faith and Family Night. And we had several hundreds of our, I think it was over 300, of our uh, Sugar Creek members there. And they asked me to throw out the, the first pitch. Now, when you, you're throwing out the first pitch, you have all these people looking at you. I had two goals, two goals. First goal is don't bounce it in. Don't hit the ground before it gets to the catcher. That's very, very important. The second one is don't throw it to the backstop. Don't throw it over the catcher. Only two goals, and I'm going to tell you, mission accomplished. I won't say any more about that. Mission accomplished, except in my mind, the batter was seven foot tall, and that was a strike that I threw in. Several months ago, I went to... um, an evening meeting, and it wasn't, wasn't about the church, it wasn't a church meeting, it was a, sort of a civic meeting, and when I came back, Kathy asked me, how, how, did, how, did, the, how did the event go? And I said, I, I don't think it went all that well. And she asked why, and I said, because I don't think it sufficiently answered the question, what's in it for me? And she said, really, it's gotta be that? Why's that always gotta be, what's in it for me? Why, why that? I said, I know, it sounds, so selfish. It sounds so self-centered, but I said, I think there's another side to this, and that is that every single one of us have only a certain amount of resources. We've got a certain amount of time. We've got a certain amount of energy. We've got a certain amount of money, and if, if you're going to be asked to be a part of something, you, you, it's got to be worthy of it. It's got to meet the criteria that I should give up this energy, this time, this, this, these resources. I should do that because this is so important. And I said, I don't, I don't think the case was made for that to be true. We're in a series that is, this is the last message in the series of finding my place at Sugar Creek. And to be honest with you, the the goal of the series is to move as many people as possible from being renters to being owners. I'd never heard it explained that way until our children's ministry, our, our Creek Kids ministry. I heard that analogy and I thought, wow, that, I like that. That's really cool because if you think about it, now this may not have been Creek Kids definition, it's just my definition. If I, I think about it, well, a renter would be somebody who's here and maybe gone here today and gone maybe tomorrow, not long. A renter is somebody that's uh, not all that zoned in, not all, all that committed, connected, not all that connected, not all that invested. That would seem to me to be a renter, but an owner is totally different. A, an owner says, this is my church. I love this church. I want to be a part of what God's doing in this church. I want to be a part of seeing God's great purpose and mission in this church accomplished. I want to be a part of what God is doing. In my mind, that's, that's an owner. That's an owner. And I got to tell you, we have tons and tons and tons of owners at Sugar Creek. 
I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful for you. You are all in. You care about this church. It is amazing what you do in ministry. This church, this church would dry up and blow away if it wasn't for you. Loving this church, this is my church, caring so much. And we do also have renters, and that's okay because I think most people, to be honest with you, I think most people when they, they first come to a church are not everybody, but I think most are kind of renters that just come in and let me just, okay, I've made the decision. I'm going to come to this church. Now I wonder what this church really is like. I think I'm going to give it a little time to go, that settle in. Who are, who is this church? What is it about? So I, I think a lot of people can come in and they're, they're renters and it's okay. It's just, I guess it's a natural thing, but but my goal, our goal in this series was to move as many of those renters into owners as we possibly could. Hey, I got good news for you. The last two Sundays we've had the uh, ministry expos out in the commons area and uh, all of our campuses and people went out to the expos over the last two weeks. And we now have a little over 300 new volunteers that said, sign me up, I wanna be a part of ministry. And they have signed up to be a part and giving themselves away to some, to some ministry. And I think we ought to celebrate it. 300 new people saying, I'm in. I am in with the church. And I'm, I'm so thankful for each and every one of you. But I do think there's a question that's gotta be answered. What's in it for me? And I think it's a legitimate answer or question. I think it's a legitimate question. So I wanna to talk to you about that very thing today. And this message is for literally everybody. All the owners, for all these years and some decades, all the owners, this, this is for you. And for all of those that just recently signed up, I wanna be a part of ministry in this church. And for others saying, look, I haven't made the decision yet, uh, but I'm processing. Well, yay, God, we're, we're grateful for that. And, and I'm trying to get that figured out in my own life. I think this is for everybody. What's in it for me? And I think there's five key things that are the answers to that question. And that's what I wanna walk through with you. And the first one is simply this. You need to serve God, right in there in your notes, to serve in front of the word God. You need to serve God to accomplish your purpose in life. It's part of what the Bible says is our purpose in life. Uh, there was a cheerful old guy, I think, I think he's in heaven now, but a cheerful old guy that, that had a habit. You know, when you greet somebody, you say, oh, well, how are you doing? And even if they're doing bad, they say they're doing good. You know, they don't want to get into it all. Uh, how are you doing? Or uh, how's the weather? Are you just those kinds of questions? But when he would encounter you, he would ask this question. He asked it of everybody. What are you doing that you believe in and that makes you proud? What are you doing that you believe in that makes you proud? And honestly, that is an uncomfortable question. We don't want to get into that deep, and I, I, didn't, I didn't see that coming, and no, I, it's an uncomfortable question, but the guy would not quit. He, he, he kept saying, anytime he would encounter somebody, what do you believe in, and what makes you proud? And one woman said, I have three kids that I'm raising that I want to live a life well lived. That's a great answer. 
And one guy said, look, I, I'm a cabinet maker and I, I make them with, uh, with perfection. I love this. I'm, I want to do the very best I can do in my job. And another person said, I started a bookstore. It's the best bookstore for miles and miles around. I think this old guy was onto something. You see, the stream of life is so strong in all of our lives. The stream of life is so strong. We get up, we do stuff, we go to bed, we get up, we do stuff and go back to bed. Next day, get up and do stuff and go back to bed. And this stream that we're on, there's so many demands and all, all our expectations. And it is easy to give in to the stream. But when you get to the end of that strain, there's just not much there. You look back and you say, I could have, my life should have done more than this. I, I should have been more than this. And to be pushed on, what do you believe in? What are you doing that you believe in and, and you are proud of it? That's a good question to ask. Because you and I are here for a reason and it's not the stream. So what is it? You start reading the Bible, there's a lot of things you begin to pick up. One of the things that God intended for us to be here to do is to get to know God. And by getting to know God, I don't mean, okay, well, I got saved and baptized. Okay, I've done it. No, that's just the beginning. I mean, get to know God. Come to understand the mind of God, the heart of God. Why does God do what he does? And the Bible says we can know the mind of God. We, we can know and understand God. That, that's really what the Bible has been given to us for. It is to build a relationship with God in which there is a sense wherever you are, God is right here. I sense his presence in my life. Get to know God. Uh, the second thing is, is that we become a participant in what God is doing to change us to be like Jesus. This is what life is about. This is what God is doing. It's what every flat tire is about. Every bump in the road, every catastrophe that you face, every problem that you deal with and all the good things and all the wonderful things and all the happy things that you and I experience, all of them together is, are to get us ready for heaven. It's to change us, to be more and more, little by little, more and more like Jesus. And in the midst of all of that, God wants us to learn how to love and serve others the way Jesus did. Listen to what he says in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Well, you and I may not give our lives as a ransom for many. But God put us on this earth to serve. We will be served and it's great because we'll need somebody to serve us from time to time. And we are to serve. Now, it's not all that life is. Life is about our kids. Life is about our grandkids. Life is about our job. We, we want to be the very best at what we do. We want to keep learning and growing and getting better and better. We want to do things well. It's about our friends. It's, it's about others in our life. But included in all of that, there is a part of that that's about our church. And in our church, 
Part of what we are to do is to serve other people. Why are you here? I've asked that question. Why are you here? Well, part of it, hopefully this church is blessing you, but hopefully you are blessing God and others through this church. So listen to how the Bible says it. Second Timothy chapter one, verse nine. It is God who saved us and chose us for what? His holy work. He set us aside to do something of ministry, ministering to God and others. Notice what he says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other. In the context of both of these passages, he's talking about helping each other, ministering to each other, and to God through our church. You look at Romans chapter 12, look through uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, look through Ephesians chapter 4. He talks about the fact that God has given to all of us strengths and abilities and spiritual gifts if we know Christ as our Savior to be used in ministry for God, for others, through our church. So, so what's the takeaway for us? What, what's in it for us? Well, you and I cannot accomplish the reason we're here, the goal of our life, without at least a part of it being ministering to God and ministering to others. So you deciding to minister helps you along the path of exactly what Jesus said in John chapter 17 when he came to the end of his life and he says, I have finished the work you gave me to do. It's part of it. Second of all, making a difference in the lives of others will make a difference in your life. I, probably every one of us in this room have seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. It's an old movie. Good grief, it came out in black and white. Was there ever a time that it was just black and white? Yeah, and then they colorized it and all that sort of thing, but it's old. You look at the cars in that movie and you're saying, seriously, they look like that? You get that feel as you watch the movie. But I've talked to kids. I've talked to teenagers who've said, yeah, I've seen the movie. It's a wonderful life. Why? Because there is something about that movie that has made it a classic. It is about purpose. Why am I here? What difference has it made that I have lived? And George Bailey is the key character, right? George Bailey, he's... Uh, He's living his life and all of a sudden things are sort of caving in on him to the point that it seems like it's hopeless now and he has decided, I guess, gonna end it all. I'm gonna end it all in my life. But just at that moment, his guardian angel, Clarence, his guardian angel shows up to rescue him and, and he does. And so then they're talking and, and George Bailey says, I wish I'd have never been born. Oh, no, 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 you can't, you can't say that. That's not, that's not good. No, I wish I had never been born. And at that moment, Clarence gets this message from heaven somehow. And yeah, it's okay. You, it's okay. So what did you say? I wish I'd never been born. Okay, you've never been born. Oh, yeah. You see, George Bailey had a brother and the brother was drowning and George, as a little boy, saved his brother and his brother grew up and there he was in the Navy and he saved every man on that ship transport. George Bailey was married, he had kids, 
And quite honestly, it's unbelievable the difference he made in people's lives. And when the movie unfolds, we've been to see all of that. Now, George wasn't there, so his brother died. And since his brother died, every man on that transport died because his brother wasn't there to save them. And his kids never existed. And to see what happened in that town simply because of one life, this guy, George Bailey, and it's shocking to see the impact of one person's life. And I know you and I are saying to ourselves, but we haven't had that kind of an impact. You and I do not know how much impact we actually have had through the course of our life. For all the children in the room, I want to know you to know you are having an impact on your parents. You are growing them up. You are. While they're growing you up, you are growing them up. You're blessing them. Not every day. Some days. But overall, you are growing your parents up. And you're blessing their life. And and even as young as you are, you're making it actually an impact on other friends' lives. And as you live out that life, it is amazing the people we have come across, the people that we touch, the mission trips that we've been on, the, the, the people that we have cared for and we've been there for. And this is what Paul is saying in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. For what is it that we live for? that gives us hope and joy and is our proud reward and crown. It's you. Yes, you will bring us much joy as we stand together before our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes back again. For you are our trophy and our joy. And we feel that very way as parents and as grandparents. And, and, and we see that when, as we go to school and go to work and we see that we make a difference. But I want to talk about that idea of serving the church. When you are, when you are ministering to children in Creek Kids, good grief, you don't know. Did they get anything today? Did they understand anything today? But what you are actually doing is putting layer after layer of loving Jesus, of understanding God. And I can't tell you, I cannot remember one name of one Sunday school teacher I had growing up, but every single one of them put layers of love toward God in my heart as I learned from them in the Bible. They, they wouldn't know that happened because I sure didn't show it to them. But they were doing that in students the impact you make in these middle schoolers and these high schoolers trying to find themselves and understand who they are. And, and that happened to me as well. That happened to me. And in adults and in, in greeting, you, people walk through the door. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know. They've come to church, some of them, saying to themselves, this is the last shot I got. I can't find any answers anywhere else. And when they walk through the door, they feel so down and out, and they see that you really wanted them to be there. And it was a genuine smile. You, you are actually impacting people more than you realize in worship on this platform. And everybody that gets on this platform as far deep as you can go, are all worship leaders and helping us. When I see their faces, they're into it, man. They love Jesus. They help draw me into it. You go on a mission trip, you see people for a few days. 
I don't know what difference I've made, but you did. Oh, I'm telling you, you did. You did. And I'm just saying you and I have a life that is impacting other people. We don't know how much we are. But all the while, we're impacting others. You know what's happening? They're impacting you. Everybody tells me this. The more I minister, the more it blesses me. Because when you are helping, making the difference in somebody else's life, it's making a difference in your life. The third is this. The way you live can inspire others on how they live. People are watching you. People are watching you. Everywhere you go, people are watching you. People that know you, oh, they recognize you at some store or something. Are those people at work and they know you are a Christ follower and they're watching you. Are you for real? Now I'm going to tell you the biggest audience we have are the kids, our kids and our grandkids. Are you for real? When we go to church and we learn these things about what it means to know Jesus and live a Christian life and do unto others as, as we want them to do to us and to, and to be kind and to be forgiving and, and, and to be there for other people and help them. When we learn all these principles in the Bible and we come home, do you do it? I promise you, I promise your kids are looking at your life. Is this just made up or is it real in you? And see, you can't fool your kids. They live with you. And you know what? I don't think that they care so much. They're not thinking that you are perfect. They already know. They've gotten it already figured out that you're not. Now, grandparents are perfect, but, but parents, <laughs> parents, they've got it figured out. Okay, you're not perfect. But I don't think kids care about us living up to perfection as much as they care about us living up to authenticity. Are you for real? Do you truly love God? Do you truly try to live out God's word? And I'm going to tell you what happens here. When kids see their parents truly living it out, it becomes more real to them. They are more willing now to give this whole Christianity thing a shot. So listen to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. These commandments, and God is speaking to parents, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. So what is he saying? I want you to take this seriously. I, there, there are principles of how we're to treat other people, what we're to do when we, uh, when we all, everything's falling apart, trusting God, learning how to have faith. There are principles that I'm wanting you to learn and when you and I put those principles into our heart and they're real for us. No, we mess up. Yeah, we have times in which we don't have the faith, the level of faith we need to have. But, but generally speaking, we are taking these, these truths seriously in our life and our children are watching us. They heard the sermon. They know what these truths are. Are you living this out? And when you are living this out now, now I'm willing to hear what you have to say. And that's what the verse, this is what the passage is saying. He first says to the parents, now get these principles into your heart. Make them real in you. Now, verse 7, impress them on your children. See, you can do that now because they're real for you. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, you get up. In everyday life, in everyday life, this is where you're teaching the Bible in real life to your children. So you get too much money from the cashier. 
too much change back. And you see it, and you, you take your children. We go back up to the cash register. Hey, you gave me too much money. I want you to get, take some of this money back. And you are showing your children. See, I'm, I'm honest. I'm showing you how to be honest. And you encounter issues and you're trusting God. And you, you even share with your children sometimes, I, I went through this at work. Let me tell you what God impressed on my heart to do. When you let your children get a view of who you are inside, living out God's word in everyday life, I'm going to tell you, when they see it's real in you, they're now interested in this lifestyle. They're not as much interested in our yakin as they are in our living. So what happens is, is that you are influencing other people when you are living out right things. And it does something for you as you watch them grow. So here's what I'll recommend to you. You're serving in church, in ministry, in this church. And it, if it's a ministry where you can do it with your child or your grandchild, bring them along. Maybe it's not every time, but if you're, you're a guest, uh, you're welcoming people that are guests uh, 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 in, the, in the guest services ministry and you're shaking hands with people and smiling as people walk through the door, let your grandchild or let your child stand there with you and watch you and let them smile, let them greet people as they walk in. And if there's any other ministry that you do and your child could join you from time to time and it's okay, if it, not all ministries are that way, but if it's okay, okay, let them, let them see you minister. Let them see you serve others. Let them see what that looks like and see you do it. You and I, you and I can influence the lives of others. And as we do, there's something that happens inside of us. Uh, There is the next one. The more you give, there's the fourth one. The more you give, the more you get. The more you give, the more you get. Given it shall be given back to you, good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall others give into your lap. And with what measure you measure out, it will be measured out to you again. You have a need? You have a need? Find somebody else that has a need and help meet that need. Give, and then it'll be given back to you. Don't go to God griping, why aren't you giving me what I need? Go find somebody else that has a need first. Give, and it should be given back to you. Meet somebody else's need. Use your talents and abilities and your resources to care for somebody else, to help somebody else. Don't be stingy in helping meet other people's needs, and God will not be stingy in meeting yours. Give, and then it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over So, the more you give, the more you get. Here's the last one. Nothing we do for God is in vain. Nothing we do for God is in vain. Kevin Ford worked for Burger King for 27 years. Worked for Burger King for 27 years. And he did not miss one day of work in 27 years. Pretty incredible. Well, they wanted to celebrate it was acknowledged he's he's worked for us for 27 years 
and we want to celebrate those 27 years. So how did they do it? Well, here's what Burger King did. They gave him a Starbucks reusable tumbler, a bag of Reese's candy, two rolls of Lifesavers, and a piece of chocolate cake. Oh, Burger King, you've gone way over the top now. 27 years. Oh, thank you for these two rolls of Lifesavers and the piece of chocolate cake. Well, the whole ceremony and the great awards that were given to him were videoed because everything is videoed now. Everything. And it was videoed. One of the co-workers videoed this celebration and showed what he got and uploaded, because every video is uploaded, uploaded onto YouTube what, this, what Kevin Ford was given. But then this co-worker opened up a GoFundMe account for Kevin attached to this video and said, is there any way you could do a better job of congratulating Kevin for 27 years than Burger King did? I'm not kidding you. In one week, 8,000 people contributed to the Kevin Ford GoFundMe account to the tune of $250,000. In one week. Yeah. And I know what you're thinking. How do I set up a GoFundMe account for me? And what pathetic thing could I say is happening? So, good grief. $250,000. So, here was what, how Kevin responded. He said, for all those years, it was easy to feel unappreciated. But I got up every morning, just like everybody else, and I did my job. For people to respond to me like this is overwhelming. I think so. Wow. Now, I say all this to say this. One day, every Christ follower will stand before Jesus, and he will not forget. And here's how Jesus describes it. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 to 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. This is serving. And notice what then Jesus said in John 12, verse 26. My father will honor 
anyone who serves me. Are you in anyone? You bet you are. And God sees, God sees. He sees, he sees how the junk people treat you. He also sees the good things. God sees. God sees and will reward you. So I want you to imagine, you, you die and you, you, you have in, in heaven all kinds of conversations, but in heaven, two particular conversations. The first one is you come immediately in front of Jesus. You, you, you didn't just go down the stream with your life. You, you let your life be used in powerful ways. You let, God, you let that purpose happen in you that God would use you in every way in your job and your kids and your grandkids and, and with your friends and, with, and in your church. And you see Jesus and Jesus says to you, you did it. <laughs> you did it. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in these small things, and now I will give you more things. Enter in to my joy. And it's the greatest thing that could ever happen to you. It has nothing to do with the things. The greatest thing could ever happen to you. There is Jesus, and he says to you, you did it. Well done. But there's another conversation because as you make your way, see, I am convinced that one day I will meet every single person that put layers of faith in my life. Sunday school teachers, I don't know the name of now and student teachers, I don't know their names anymore. And other people that influenced my life and helped and blessed my life. I believe that God will bring those people back and I'll know who they are and their names and I'll get the opportunity to go right up them to them and say, you, thank you. You bless me, you help me. And I'm gonna tell you something, there is a day that's coming that when you get there, God will show the other people you blessed. You led to Christ. You helped. You made a difference in. And you didn't know you did. And one day someone's gonna come up to you and say to you, thank you. Because I am a life that was saved because of you. I know theology. Nobody gets to heaven except by Jesus. We can't save anybody, but God uses us. And I'm just saying, whatever you do, stop going downstream and start making the decision, I'm going to have an impact in the lives of other people. I am going to use this life right. I'm gonna use it well. I'm gonna give whatever I gotta give to meet the needs of other people and to bless them. I'm on a mission. And the mission is not just me. But one day, what am I gonna get out of this? Oh so much so much let's pray oh father I pray you'd move in hearts today that would realize
we have only been given so many resources, so much time, so much energy, so much financial resources. We've only been given so much. And part of that is to go to meet needs. Part of that is to minister, to serve. Just like you said, to, to, like Jesus, to, to serve other people. Like, like you said, that you've given us gifts and abilities so that we might do a holy work for you. Just like you told us, you've given us so many talents and abilities. Make sure, be careful that you use them to serve others. God, I, I pray that you would speak in our hearts and every aspect of our life. Help us to be purpose-driven. Help us to run with purpose in every step. So, Father, I pray for those who need to come to know Christ and they realize that I need Jesus today, that this would be the moment of salvation. I want to know Christ as my Savior. Those who, who want to join this church today, I know Jesus, I want to become a part of this church, that they would they'd make that decision. And those who, who may be renters, but, but it's time to be owners, or those who have been owners but want to be owner in another area, that today they would make that decision. God, move in our hearts that you could use us in such a powerful way because our life, we want to live a life that matters. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.